The difference between having a great quarter, making your number, or reporting a bad quarter often comes down to the effectiveness of your sales team's discovery calls and demos. But how do you make sure your reps are doing the right things on their calls in order to finish the quarter strong? Well, introducing Gong.io, the number one conversation intelligence platform for B2B sales teams. Gong helps you ensure your reps are doing deep discovery calls and crisp sales demos by recording, transcribing, and analyzing their calls. And Gong allows you to understand how well your playbook is being followed and analyze how well it's working so you can constantly move the needle on your win rates. Now, if you request a demo of Gong as a result of hearing this message, you'll get a free ebook copy of my award-winning book, Zero Time Selling, 10 Essential Steps to Accelerate Every Company's Sales. So go to gong.io forward slash accelerate to request your no-obligation demo and get your copy of my award-winning book, Zero Time Selling. Again, that's gong.io forward slash accelerate, G-O-N-G dot I-O forward slash accelerate. So go there now and come back and enjoy today's episode. This episode of Accelerate is brought to you in part by Discover.org. Looking to close four times as many deals in half the time? Discover.org's industry-leading human-verified sales intelligence gives you all of the data and insights like direct dials, org charts, planned projects, verified emails, and executive moves. You need to stop wasting time on research and spend more time talking to the right decision maker with the right message at the right time. Their team of 250-plus sales researchers do all the work so that you don't have to. 2,500 companies are already using Discover.org to win more deals. So check them out at www.discoverorg.com. That's www.discoverorg.com. It's time to accelerate. Hey, friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 576 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. This uh, sort of sales enablement week on Accelerate. Yesterday, we spoke with uh, Brian Lambert, who is co-founder of the Sales Enablement Society. Today, my guest is Robert Wabi. Robert is the co-founder and CEO of Highpoint, a leading sales enablement solution. And today, we're going to dig further into the benefits that sales enablement provides to sales teams. We're going to get some examples of the outcomes sales teams can expect to receive from using sales enablement. And we'll touch on the advantages that the fully enabled sales teams have over those who aren't. If you'd like to see the show notes for this episode, go to andypaul.com forward slash 576, where we provide tam- timestamp breakdowns of this and all conversations on Accelerate. I've been talking the last couple of weeks about a new report I just produced. It's based on the input of over 300 of the world's leading sales experts, people I've interviewed right here on Accelerate. And this report is all about what you can do to amp up and accelerate your sales right now. So this report is free. Go to accelerate.fm forward slash accelerate to get your copy right now that's accelerate.fm forward slash accelerate to get a step-by-step guide to what you can do in terms of very practical strategies again to amp up and accelerate your sales before we get to robert let me remind you that today's show is brought to you in part by our friends at gong.io gong analyzes your sales calls and demos so you can understand what's working and what's not it's a great coaching tool to help managers boost your reps productivity So check it out at gong.io forward slash accelerate and get a free PDF copy of my award-winning book, Zero Time Selling. So again, go to gong.io forward slash accelerate. I've been mentioning the last few weeks we're going to have some changes to our program schedule here at Accelerate. Starting next Monday, brand new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Friday's still the hugely popular Frontline Fridays with my co-host Bridget Gleason. 
So again, starting next week, Accelerate on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, new episodes every week, those three days a week, every week. Make sure you check that out. And uh, next week is also our second anniversary of Accelerate. I can't thank you enough for all of you who have listened to this and loyal listeners and continue to support the show. We've had over a million downloads of the show, hundreds of great episodes, and we'd love to hear from you about what's been your favorite episode or your favorite guest. So if you could, if you go to andypaul.com in the lower right, that's my website, in the lower right-hand corner of the homepage is a red button that says you can leave a message. Click on that and leave us an audio message. Tell us what has been your favorite episode, who's been your favorite guest, maybe a favorite topic that we've discussed, maybe what you'd like to hear more of. And for everybody who leaves us a voice message or an audio message, you'll receive a signed copy of my best-selling book, Amp Up Your Sales. So just make sure you include your physical mailing address when you leave that message for us. And then finally, before we get to the interview, I'll also remind you that we want to hear your questions about the challenges you're facing as a salesperson, a sales leader. You know, if there's a particular stumbling block or roadblock you've hit and you want to get some advice about how to get over it, then send your question to me at andy at andypaul.com. And each week, I'll choose one question from those submitted the previous week to answer on my Friday conversation with my co-host, Bridget Gleason. And the winner, the person who submitted the question, will win a free half-hour coaching call with me. That's a $250 value. So don't delay. Do that today. And uh, as before, as I mentioned before, is you can either... Email that to me at andy at andypaul.com or again on the homepage of andypaul.com, lower right-hand corner, red button, submit your question, click on it, leave us an audio message. And if you leave your question in audio form, we will play it on the air so you get a little air time. All right, so let's jump into conversation with Robert Wabi. Robert, welcome to Accelerate. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's an honor to have you here. So I start off my conversations with guests every day with the the same question which is in your mind what's what's the single biggest challenge facing sales teams today um the single biggest challenge that we see in our area is cutting through the noise and i mean that at every level so it's actually a marketing problem it's a sales problem in that that initial conversation can you really cut through and differentiate your product differentiate your service um, as you go through the entire funnel and you get into later stages of that, making sure that you're able to cut through with differentiation and unlocking the value. Now, our product is a sales enablement platform, and there's a lot of breadth and a lot of depth. And so there's a real art to understanding which pieces of the platform to really highlight so you can you can differentiate and you can cut through that noise. But that's, I think, in this modern age where people have so many different ways to communicate, so many different ways to learn things – just cutting through that noise at every level of the sales process is a, is a challenge. So let me take the same question and just spin a little bit. So same question, biggest challenge, but for sales leaders. Yeah, that, that to me is almost timeless. And the key thing for sales leaders is to really make sure that your teams have the knowledge and the assets to have the most effective conversation. It's really about making sure that people can have effective conversations, which means it's training, it's coaching, it's taking some level of assessments, it's making sure that you have the right talk tracks. If you have a sales methodology like Challenger, do you really understand that? I think given that, you know, 
us salespeople move around a bit. You know, it's it's really hard to make sure that everybody is up to speed on all the aspects so they can have that really great conversation. And in fact, if you if you ask, you know, in these surveys to prospects, you know, how much did the salesperson help me? How much were they consultative? You know, usually we collectively get poor marks. And I think that is the challenge of that leader is to really make sure that their company doesn't get poor marks for that, that sales. And again, this is more B2B, but sure. well, speaking this- B2B. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. this audience for the show is almost exclusively B two B. So, so yeah, it's very interesting. I saw some research recently that Gartner had done a couple of years ago, and they were saying, and this is the point you made about you know value that that the customers got from the sales reps. And I think the re- the point of this research was that actually, when buyers are surveyed, they trusted the individual salesperson. They had greater level of trust in them than they did in the, the company the salesperson worked for. And I and I was always like keeping in mind sort of the statistics. I've seen the same ones that you've you've quoted here or talked about here in terms of you know reduced levels of trust in salespeople, or per, let's say reduced uh, perceived levels of value received from salespeople. It's like, okay, how do we <laughs> how do we reconcile these two things? Where yeah, you know, actually the the customer is saying, look, we trust them, we're actually a little bit even more dependent on them in some respects. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I think in that case, um, my guess is what's happening is that they have a relationship with that salesperson. If they're not trusting the company, then to some extent, I have to say that that salesperson's not, not showcasing the value of the product and the value of the company and the value of the services that they have. Because then ideally what they do is they love the salesperson. Um, we always have a, a litmus test, you know, for a lot of these modern sales. You know, are we on a texting basis with the customer? Mm-hmm. So can we text that customer and say, hey, how are we doing on the contract? How are we doing on the deal? That's a great level of intimacy in that relationship. But ideally they also love the brand and they love the company. And it's part of the salesperson's job to make sure they love the company. I mean, when we think about winning, you have to win on three levels. You know, you the product has to win. Mm-hmm. It has to be a great product that delivers value. You also have to win hearts and minds. And that's different than the product. The product's part of it, but you have to win hearts and minds. And that's where you can get what we would call a company gap, where maybe you're not the right size or you don't have the right level of services sure. or your brand has a taint on it. And then there's economic value. Do you have the right pricing? To win the deal, you have to win on all three levels. And so... I think it's incumbent upon the salesperson to make sure that they love the company too, because that's the hearts and that's part of hearts and minds. Yeah, well, I agree. I, I think there's a slight difference between the the love and the trust factor. It's but it's yeah, it's interesting. But I said I, one of the things I think you know who we get these days. We have so many different data points that sort of support multiple points of view. That that it's I think one of the challenges in sales these days is it's hard to know what data to believe and understand what data has value. Yeah. Um, well, depending on where you are in the stage of the company, one data that is great to believe in is your conversion rates and your win rates. Um, and then the win rates of your colleagues and the win rates of the folks in similar businesses and similar geographies. Cause then you're at least you're, you're truly comparing apples to apples. And so if your win rates 23 and your team has an average win rate of 35, then you know you want to go learn some best practices and some things. When you pop up and you say, now I want to learn best practices from the industry, um, then there's, you know, 
a hundred different methodologies and a hundred different data points. And I think you have to just take your experience and then bring those data points in. Um, I'm a believer that you, a great salesperson is focused on delivering customer value, which means they can use many techniques. They might use a challenger sale. They might use a different methodology, but fundamentally they're trying to connect to the customer and connect value to the product. And there's not any one way to do that. There's a number of ways. You might have some methodologies that you use, but you need to be flexible to the customer's approach and style. You know, that's very different to sell. You know, we sell to many different industries and selling to manufacturing versus selling to a a startup in the Silicon Valley area um, and selling to financial services. Those are very different kinds of engagements. And do you have the same people selling the different type of accounts or do you have specialists? We don't have specialists by industry. We have specialists by size. So we have account executives at SMB. Mm-hmm. We have account executives that are different for corporate accounts, um, account executives for enterprise, and then account executives for large enterprise. Because ma- navigating a company that has 100,000 employees is a fairly different motion than 10,000, than 5,000, than 500. Sure. What? And then what we do is we have training that helps each of the AEs understand the language um, and the specific pain points by industry. Our platform is relatively horizontal. Right. And so we're able to keep the same salespeople across industry. So let's talk a little bit about Highspot. Then we're going to come back and talk about some of these things. So um, what was the impetus for starting the company? Yeah, well, I, I had done a startup in Silicon Valley many years ago, uh, which got by Microsoft. And I spent 16 years at Microsoft in various positions. Um, leading large product groups. But the last three years, um, I was the chief marketing officer and sales enablement person for the server and tools division, which mm-hmm. is now about a $20 billion division. So very, very large operation, hundreds of marketers, hundreds of millions of dollars in budget, um, thousands of salespeople internally, and then tens of thousands of partners. So very large operation. And what became clear was that while content was at the core of, going back to this point we made earlier, while content was at the core of having great conversations, we as marketers had no idea what was being used, what was being sent to prospects, what was actually driving the deals. So that was on the publisher side of the house. And these were costing us a fortune. So you know whether we should do a thousand case studies a year or not, it really mattered to the bottom line. And then when I would travel and work in the field, um, I would always be asked, you know, do you have this kind of reference? Do you have this kind of case study? Do we have this data sheet? Do we have this battle card? You know, hunger for these kinds of assets. And they were, had all been published and they, they just couldn't find them. Um, there were just hundreds of thousands of these assets in a company the size of Microsoft and they just couldn't find them, couldn't use them. So it was basically this black hole, yet such a critical part of the sales process, which is arming people with the right information. Mm-hmm. And so when I started looking around at what could be done, it became clear that, one, this was a problem faced by every B2B sales organization in the world, and there weren't really any good solutions. And so um, a number of us left about five years ago and brought together good user design, um, the cloud, mobile, and very deep artificial intelligence to really fundamentally help with this problem. And so now the platform is what you would now in a modern environment call a sales enablement platform. Uh, five years ago, that wasn't a category that had emerged as, as well-defined mm-hmm. as it is today. 
And what we do is we help across the entire life cycle of all of your assets, whether it's a training video, whether it's a data sheet, whether it's a presentation. And so we help you know, companies of various sizes organize that content in ways that make sense for the sales team, find that content through search, through browsing, filtering, recommendations directly inside of your CRM system. We'll even score the content based on how likely it will be to help you close the deal. Once you found the right content, we'll help you customize it full integration into Office, into Google. We also have even specialized ways that a salesperson can very quickly take a couple of slides from a couple of decks, customize the logo, customize the agenda, and get it ready. One-click ways to email it or web conference it. If you email it, one of the exciting things for salespeople that I love is we'll tell you, did the prospect open the email? Did they click on the link? If they did click on your proposal, what pages did they read? How long did they read them? And then finally, analytics, analytics for everybody, what's working, what's not working, even down to the level of things like, tell me, I'll just keep using the case study example of my thousand case studies, um, which are the five that are driving the most revenue? So I know as a marketing team, what to use. And I know as a sales team, which ones are most effective. So that's where the idea kind of came from is my own experience in in a large company. And now we're helping companies of all sizes um, across the across the world. So curious about the AI part of what you talked about. So you said you use deep AI. Give us an example of how you're using AI in the product. Oh yeah. So there's lots of examples. So um, the, I would say we use AI across the board. So we use it in search, we use it in recommendations and we use it in analytics. And let me just give you quick vignettes on each of those. Mm-hmm. So in search, you know, clearly we look at all the text and we extract the video that you're talking in. We extract the audio, we extract the text from images and all those kind of fancy things. But there's an amazing thing about salespeople in that they have a lot of data associated with them. We know not only what they've used and clicked on, we know all of their CRM data, assuming they're using CRM. We know all of the content that they shared with various prospects And therefore, if you put all those together, we actually know which pieces of content were associated with deals that closed one. And we know the velocity of the deals. So now when you search for a case study and we know who you are and we know what kind of deals you're working, we can put the right case studies at the very top of that search. And that's because we're constantly using AI to take all of that data, what the prospect did, how the deals closed, how they're being used, and we bring those search results to the very top. That's an example of, that's like a really great example in search. A similar thing in recommendations. We have all this data, and so we can recommend, and we even know inside of your CRM, we even know the exact opportunity you're looking at. So we can say, you know what, if you're at a particular stage and it's a particular product line and a particular competitor, we know which battle cards, which customer decks to actually recommend, and then we can even score them and say, here are three decks that are all relevant, but by the way, this first deck has three stars and therefore is more likely to help you accelerate the deal and have a larger deal. And we can score that. And then the example, the final example I would use around AI is in analytics. So for many B2B organizations, one of the challenges is that all of the presentations are modified by the sales team. So maybe they put their logo in, they put their name in, they change the agenda slide, you know, Mm -hmm. appropriate personalization. The challenge is, let's say you want to ask the simplest question in the world. Let's say you want to say, hey, I built a customer deck, and I just want to know, is it being effective? Are the salespeople liking it? Are they using it? Are they sharing it with prospects? Is it helping to close business? 
if every single time that a presentation is done, it's personalized, then the answer to your question is it's never used because it got personalized every single time. And it's a different, it's a different file. It's a different PowerPoint, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so we have AI that can actually, and we call it content genomics, it's patented. And we basically map the DNA of all of your content. And so when you ask the question, hey, is this particular presentation being used? We can say this presentation and all of its descendants, every single version that's been modified, we can collect all those stats and say, actually, it's a very effective deck. It's been used a thousand times. And here are all the various ways it's been personalized. And that requires AI because we don't, you could have modified it outside the system. You could have sure. modified it in various ways. It's AI that pulls that together and figures out that these thousand decks are actually in practice the same deck. So those are three examples of, of how AI can really transform the sales process in an environment where content is important. Mm -hmm. So I guess the question that, that I come back to a lot and I sort of hesitate asking it, <clears throat> excuse me, because <laughs> I want people to have the wrong impression is that is that if we take um, you know independent reports like CSO Insights and Forrester and they talk about you know reps are doing bad job of making quota right in general we got fifty percent of reps don't make quota Forrester has a report out they update every year saying B two B conversion rates are falling year over year over the last five six years if that's happening at the same time we have you know this this incredible influx of great technologies like High Spots and others into the sales space. Again, that's another question that I'm sort of wrestling with all the time. It's like, well, how do we reconcile this, right? I mean, are, is, the, are, is this investment really paying off for a lot of companies? Yeah, and I would say that if you look at some of those same reports, like CSO Insights is a good example and others, um, you'll see that typically if, the, if you look at a cohort and you say, and just in our particular space of sales enablement, how are, for example, conversion rates, win rates, um, attainment working with companies that don't have sales enablement formally defined mm -hmm. and implemented and those that do, you'll see a marked difference. And so you kind of have to look at the cohort. So there's lots of technology flowing into various companies, but if you kind of isolate them and say, well, those that have, you know, pick any tool that you want, it could be engagement software, it could be predictive scoring, pick your favorite one. And you do that, you do that analysis at least in sales enablement, where I'm very familiar, that A-B testing shows that companies with sales enablement do much better. And I think part of it is technology, but part of it is clearly that that company has a diligence and a focus on making sure their reps have the training and the content they need to be more effective. And so the combination is a focus on it, often in larger tech companies, as an example, a mm -hmm. dedicated team. Right. aimed at sales enablement and sales training. And then the tools just support that that predisposition to be really excellent at training and, and arming their sales team. Yeah, I guess the question I always come back to is, is how do you determine better, right? I mean, I'd, so, and like go to Saster and these other conferences, listen to the presentations and, you know, see panels of CEOs talking about celebrating the fact, you know, we have 23% close rates. And it's like, okay, maybe that's better than you had before, but you could also take that the side to say, yeah, that's not really very good. Yeah. So, so that's where I sort of get to that question is, are we just not deploying the tools and the data correctly to really improve outcomes? I wonder if yeah, we're, I, I sometimes wonder if we're yeah. measuring the wrong things, I guess is sort of what it boils down to. Well, um, 
when I think about these kinds of measurements, I'm not sure we're measuring the wrong things if we're thinking about, like you just mentioned, conversion rates, um, attainment, win rates, you know, close loss, close no decision, those kinds of things. I think the challenge is that it's easy to think that bringing in a technology is a panacea. And so you buy, you know, 100 licenses of Tool X, and then magically your sales team is going to start using that and it's all going to be better. I think, at least in the sales enablement space, but I think this is true for many areas of sales, it really needs to be a focused effort to improve an area. You think hard about how you're going to, um, what things need to change to be improved, and then how technology can support that. It's not that technology is the end-all, be-all. It's that it has to support an overall process and an overall approach. So in sales enablement, you have to decide, how am I going to think about my content? How am I going to govern my content to make sure that it's fresh? How am I going to make sure that my salespeople understand what should be modified and what should not be modified? How should I teach them best practices for using content at various stages and understanding the buyer persona and the buyer journey? That's the problem. And then what you do is you say, okay, I'm going to solve that problem in various ways. And then I want a technology platform that supports my decisions and how I want to solve that problem. Technology is a support. It's not the end-all, be-all. And then for a company like us, what we strive to do is have our services team be one of those experts that you can ask about, how should I govern my 19,000 pieces of content? What does that mean? Right. How do I make sure that 19,000 pieces of content are organized well by role, by region, by geo? How do I make sure that it's appropriately fresh? It can't always be fresh. That's a crazy thing. So how, how fresh should it be? And how should I think about it? How should I decide if, again, using this one example, how, how should I decide if my case studies are reaching the intended audience internally? These are all the questions. You should have answers to those independent of technology, and then the technology should help you achieve those goals. I think in many cases, people buy technology without having thought through the higher level goals. Yeah, I yeah. agree. It's a cart before the horse syndrome. I ideally in these days, this, you know, if you have a sales organization, professional modern sales organization, you should hire your sales enablement person before you invest in the technology. Yeah, yeah completely. And I'll give you another like just simple example that we're working on right now. Um, so a lot of companies have CRM and a lot of companies have Salesforce, and we're one of those companies. Sure. We have Salesforce. Um, they're actually an investor in Highspot, so they're a close partner of ours. Um, Salesforce is a wonderful tool. It doesn't tell you what sales process you should have. It doesn't tell you what your, you know, your lead and contact recycle reasons should be to make sure that you're having a good process. It doesn't tell you what it means to close an opportunity, one lost or, or no decision. Mm -hmm. So it's again, a case where the tool is not going to solve your problems. The tool is going to support you solving your problems. And Salesforce as such a flexible platform is a great example of that. You have to have a notion of what you want to do from a sales process point of view, and then Salesforce can support it, not the other way around. Yeah. So and that's why we see a lot of companies where they, you know, one of the problems that they talk about is, hey, I bought CRM, we're very excited about it, we deployed it to 3,000 reps, and we have, you know, 12% adoption. <laughs> right. Which happens more often than not, I think. So, so I guess one question I have is, so how do, how do I see a gap? With a lot of the, the tools and technologies, and yeah, on this show every week I interview at least one CEO founder about a new sales tool, sex, new sales technology. 
And I see a gap, it seems, oftentimes between the tools that are very focused on the sellers, but don't seem to do much to really help the customers make a decision. And it seems like that's a and too many tools. And but I think not necessarily the case in what you're doing, but there seems to be that that gap, right? Is it's all about, hey, we can make our process better, better, better. But it's like, yeah, it doesn't translate into the customer making a decision more frequently, increasing our conversion rate, or as you say, increasing the the velocity, however you measure the the velocity of the deal. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, if you think about it from the customer's point of view, there's a few things that people are grappling with. Clearly, for bigger kinds of deals, they're using references. Uh, they're also using demos. They can use POCs. Um, and another thing they use is information, content. And so in terms of helping them make a decision, one of the things that I think happens is you ask a question and you get an answer that is either ambiguous or not really that deep. And what you really want is that salesperson to know their stuff, really be able to answer the question well, and also follow up with the right data sheet, the right white paper, the right, in, right battle card, the right comparison, and have those available to you. And I think in a world where you're being very careful about both training and what content's in their hands, it does improve the customer's experience because they're getting the answers to their questions in ways that are really that really resonate with the customer. So if they say, tell me about feature X, an ideal world where they feel really great is the salesperson says it has these key characteristics and let me send you a follow-up two-pager that'll really go into depth and then we can go into even more depth if you want. The customer that says, great, I have the information I need to move forward. I think that happens more rarely than it should because mm-hmm. I think it's hard in complex environments where you have so much material and the complex and there's multiple products and the products are complex. But complex products have existed for a long time, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so as I know, I was sort of struck by by uh, I looked at a webinar that that you guys had hosted on your website, Peter Ostro at the time at at Aberdeen, uh, gave about value of sales sales enablement and so on and and one of the stats was it's going to prove that sales teams that uh, properly enabled sellers were 52% better at understanding what content to use, when to use it, and who to use it with. And I was reading that, so it struck me, it's like, well, isn't that really what a top performer knows anyway? Yes, but I, I, I completely agree, but I'll go back. That technology is, is a supporter. Let's say you are absolutely a top performer and you absolutely understand the different buyer personas that you're dealing with and you really have an intuition about where they are in their buying cycle, that's fantastic. Now, how much work is it for you to take the, I'll just keep using, you know, 10,000 pieces of content to find the appropriate content for the appropriate product for that, for what you know is the buyer journey and the buyer persona. Um, Fantastic people will cut, you know, walk over broken glass and figure that out. But why are we making them spend four, you know, that's, you know, Peter had in that same report that the average seller is spending somewhere between four and 12 hours a week of their Mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. trying to walk over the broken glass and find that material to be that top performer. That's where you know what you want to do. And then the technology can make it so that it's not 12 hours, it's 12 minutes because you go into the environment, you say, I'm looking at healthcare enterprise. I need a German reference. Let me see it. And then there it is. Or I, I need the right data sheet for, you know, this complicated situation. And 
that makes it so that the intent is there and the technology is just supporting that intent of that great person. And it makes it so that the person who's not quite that mature in their career yet actually has a better shot at becoming good because the materials are that much easier to find and that much easier to do. Because the alternative, I think, often is that that middle performer doesn't walk over the glass, doesn't find the content, and just muddles through. And that's where, back to your point, the prospect isn't having a very good experience. They're really, they know they're not quite getting the data they need. The answers are a yeah, little bit muddled. No, exactly. So I think, cause I, yeah. think that, I think top performers sort of have a wired to some degree, right? I mean, they're going to know exactly. with, with 95% completion exactly what they need in order to move the deal to completion. And there may be always be that 5% stuff that pops up in a complex deal. They, they may not know. But yeah, that middle tier, yeah, I mean, to me, this is like, they're not glomming onto a, <laughs> a solution like this. Yeah, they're, they're really not doing themselves a service at all. Yeah, and even that top tier, I mean, again, it depends on scale. In these really complex environments, even the top tier you know, are pulling their hair out half the time. And one of the techniques the top tier does, and I agree, they're wired and it's great and we all love them, um, is that they have a really effective way to find what they need. It's called email, and they email all of their connections across the company. Mm-hmm. So what you find in big companies is that marketing typically, but it could be sales leaders, are deluged with email that says, hey, I'm working this deal. I remember John had a deck that kind of made these points. Help me find it. Yeah. And they're so tena- they're, they're as tenacious inside the company as they are outside the company to find the materials. But that, of course, makes the organization both very inefficient, but also means that no one is tracking like what's going on so that no one knows that deck is a great deck. Everyone's trying to get it. We should actually make it official and push it out to everybody. Right. So there's no learning in the organization when it's so ad hoc. But like you said, the top performers are so tenacious, they'll make it happen no matter what. So last question for you is, uh, so what's the future look like? Yeah, I just got the, an interview with somebody earlier today and, and projecting based on the impact of future impact of AI, machine learning, predictive analytics, and so on, that, that you know, a large fraction of B2B sales jobs just potentially go away. And so I just sort of interested, you know, you're in the heart of this, this space, providing this technology that's enabling sales. Obviously, you can see where it's going. What's sort of your thought on that? What, what is the role of the, the human salesperson, you know, three to five years from now? Yeah, if I look out three to five and I'll look out even, I'll make sure, a crazy prediction go out further than three to five, ten years. Sure. I just don't see in selling relatively complex B2B solutions Mm -hmm. that somehow you're going to talk to a bot and make a decision to purchase something for $50,000 or $100,000, not just because it's $100,000 and that might be a reasonable amount of money in a budget, but because you're probably integrating that into a complex environment and you're going to have a lot of questions. That's number one. Number two is I think you're going to need to some, you need that salesperson because part of what you're buying is the product that you see today, but part of what you're buying is a relationship with the company and a vision for where they're taking the, the technology and the solution. And that's going to be done through a connection with the salesperson. So I think technology might make us more efficient collectively, but I just don't see it replacing B2B sales. Now, if you're selling a $1,000 widget, yeah, no, um, that of course would be more automated on the website, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about right. you know an enterprise or a corporate level solution 
that needs to integrate into a complex environment. They need to have, you know, they have to have assurances. These deals tend to can make or break careers on the other side. They need to have a level of relationship with that company. And I just don't see that being taken over by technology, AI, or otherwise. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, that's the type of scenario I was referring to. I should have been more clear. But yeah, transactional, that's a whole different, whole different yeah. <laughs> can of worms. Um, yeah. And who knows what's going to happen there. But yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think there's, and this is where I asked the question up front about challenges and, and behaviors that people need to master is because, yeah, I think that, that the imperative is for salespeople is actually become more human in that environment and to establish connections and to build that relationship. I completely agree. And the other thing I think is going to happen, and you've alluded to this a couple of times, is that you know ultimately there are just too many different disparate tools and there are silos and you know there's probably now i think in the last um map i've seen there's like 5000 different you know sales yeah. vendors out yep. there yep um clearly that at one level that's great and it's a renaissance and we have lots of money pouring in we have venture capital pouring money in lots of experiments going on i think it's great um but it's also clear that it will consolidate and you're going to come up with some you know much larger, integrated, hopefully very easy to use, integrated platforms that do a lot of things. So, you know, when I think about sales enablement in our space, if I go back even three years, the core thing that vendors like us were doing was helping you organize and find and analyze your content. But now it's expanded to also let you customize your content and also allow you to share it. Um, and so already that's expanding. I think that will continue to expand because customers just want one integrated solution as much as possible. So I think you're going to see in a healthy way a bunch of consolidation um, over the next three to five years as well. And that'll simplify the salesperson's life too. Yeah, well, I think the evolution we've seen, as you talked about over the last several years, went from pretty much having one signal you might you might get, yeah, they looked at it, or yeah, they looked at it and, and, op- and opened the link or opened the attachment to, as you talked about earlier, is, is multiplicity of signals about intent and engagement that will surely yeah. expand as we go forward. Absolutely. And you have LinkedIn and you have social signals and you have the services that provide sales intelligence. And, you know, there's just a lot of information now a modern, a modern salesperson can do. And I think, you know, it's a great time to be in sales, but it's also a time where you have to keep up. You know, being a great salesperson 10 years ago is not the same thing. You know, to be tenacious 10 years ago is a different set of actions and motions than it is to be a tenacious seller today. You have more things that you can do if you're really tenacious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a whole other conversation we could have. I just wrote an article about that recently. So <laughs> we'll have you back right. on. We'll talk about that. All right. Oh, Robert, awesome. well, thank you very much for joining me. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. So tell folks how they can find out more about uh, HighSpot and connect with you. Um, great. Well, you can go to our website, uh, www.highspot.com. That's H-I-G-H-S-P-O-T. And absolutely feel free to write to me as well, Robert at highspot.com. I'm happy to talk to folks. Great. Well, Robert, thank you very much. And friends, thank you for spending this time with us today. Make sure you come back again. Join us again tomorrow for another great episode of Accelerate. Until then, appreciate it. If you get a chance, go to iTunes, leave us a review, subscribe. We want to hear back from you what we can do to make this a more valuable investment of your time. So thanks again for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. 